the majority of the world doesn't have access to banking systems or banking <laughs> accounts. Right. So they cannot create a, an account into custodian system that require a banking account, right? That's just by design, it's like that. So they need access. And so the only way to provide access to those people is by providing something that is decentralized and non-custodial. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax, and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. This episode is powered by JVentures, a community-driven VC fund in Silicon Valley in partnership with Leumi Tech, sponsored by Hippo Insurance, Opwest Labs, Turing, Hillel at Stanford, Leap, and in media partnership with C-Tech. Welcome to another episode of 20 Minute Leaders. I'm honored to be joined by Uriel Ochayon, the CEO of Zengo, a new generation of all-in-one crypto wallet focused on simplicity and safety. He's a former executive at ICQ and AOL, founder of TechCrunch France, which sold to AOL, Isai.fr, a leading French VC, among many more things. He is French and Israeli, based in Tel Aviv. Uriel Ochayon, welcome to 20 Minute Leaders from Serona in Tel Aviv. How are you? I'm fine. Thanks for having me. An entrepreneur and expert in the cryptocurrency world, building a cryptocurrency wallet. And, and uh, you know, Oriol Ochoa, I'm, I'm really excited to, to both understand about your own journey, but also understand the crypto world a little bit better. Uh, both your entrance into this world through the lenses of an entrepreneur, but also through the lenses of a, of a thinker. And when you're looking at this industry and, and what's been happening until now and where we're headed as a society and sort of as, the, as a guild that is, that is thinking through the next generation of decentralized payments, Uriel, tell me a little bit about Zengo and about how Zengo fits into the world of crypto today. Um, so it's a big, big question, but uh, so let's start with the basics first. Uh, Zengo is a crypto wallet. Uh, what makes it unique? is that extremely simple, extremely safe, and extremely usable. Uh, three properties that you don't always find in the space, where everything is complicated, feels unsafe, and is a source of anxiety uh, at every moment, from the moment you start to the moment you use to the moment you need some help. And so we've made it extremely uh, simple for someone to go from zero to crypto in a matter of seconds. <laughs> zero so to we can crypto. Explain, uh, the, yeah. Yeah, zero like to that. crypto to in a few seconds. And uh, uh, there's a lot of IP and tech behind it. And we came to the space pretty late when we arrived to that industry. The industry was really already, you know, crowded. It looked actually late, actually happens to be very early yet. And uh, But we arrived with a, a different way to think about how to solve the problem of how to get people started into the space. And we look at, we, we kind of thought about orthogonal solutions that were not yet uh, used in the market, but that could uh, enhance both the experience and the safety and the security. So we're focusing exclusively on individual investors. We're not focusing on institutions. Mm. So we, we worked for individuals. We serve individual investors. We have customers in 100 plus countries in the world. Wow. Uh, we, we start to have a meaningful user base now because we've been operating for Two plus years, we've raised a sizable round of funding recently with Inside Partners, which is one of the best growth equity firms in, uh, in the world. And they've backed, you know, Twitter, Shopify, Cam.com, yeah. like, you know, really big, big franchise brand. And our ambition is to build one of the, the most popular uh, brand in, in crypto banking. And uh, so we're just starting um, and the, the app today is considered as one of the best in the industry. Amazing. Some people really, really like it. 
Uh, and hopefully, you know, it's going to grow as, uh, as we do. And what you can do with Zango is all the basics of what you need for investing, meaning sending, receiving, buying, selling, swapping, and earning interest, and very soon having a, even a credit card to pay in the real world. So it's really kind of all in one. So as a critical thinker in the in the crypto world, take, you know, take me up 30,000 feet in the air and, and walk me through the landscape of, of where we are today. You've entered the crypto world, I guess, you know, three years ago with your co-founders and you mentioned pretty late in the game and into a crowded space, yet you're already a key player and, and one of the most notable uh, cryptocurrency wallets. And, you know, what, what is your understanding today of where we are in crypto and where it's headed? So first, the first thing to understand or the way we look at it is first, it's very, very early still, although it's been like, you know, 12 years nearly in, in Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies and still very early. That's number one. Number two is that we've, uh, we are in a transitional period where uh, more and more people need, want access to uh, better financial systems, not just crypto, but just by better financial services. And it happens that crypto is going to be the default layer to, to do that. And the, what we are uh, we are uh, we have observed is that the first generation of solutions that were built for this industry were built for essentially um, some some sort of experts kind of level of people right you need to have a certain knowledge about what you're doing either in terms of security or in terms of finance financial knowledge and just like of in, in independence of what you know how to do by yourself and so this fits well to a first generation of adopter but it doesn't work with the next generation of people that are coming to the industry. In particular, if you value convenience, in particular, if you value things that can be done from a mobile phone, and in particular, if you understand that this industry is, in, is extremely new and still an extreme source of anxiety for most people, including mm -hmm. people that are familiar with it. So once you know that, you understand that there is still room for innovation the other thing that we were looking at is that this industry was supposed and is still supposed to put the user in control of what he's doing the user is the center and you don't put the user at the center the user should be the center of whatever you're doing in crypto and what we've seen for the past first 10 years is that essentially all the crypto trades all the crypto custody were held into custodian system meaning basically replication of banking systems that held for you your your funds and it was working really really well for the first era because decentralized solutions were imperfect they were too slow they were too complicated they still are and so that was the right way to move forward but what we are seeing now is that there is a demand for people who want to be in charge want to be in control want to have the custody and the control of their funds and for that they need to have usable solutions so the timing was perfect because at the same moment, new technologies enabled to remove many of the friction points, especially in matters of security, secure, uh, private key management, key management, and onboarding systems. And so mm -hmm. we arrived and created a new uh, package uh, solution that makes it extremely simple for people to go from, from zero to crypto in a, in a few seconds by putting them in control of their funds without compromising to the ethos of decentralization. And so we believe that the next 10 years are going to be about putting, creating solutions that will put the user in the center, leaving him in control of what he's doing in crypto, away from uh, a, a custodian and centralized solution. So I think this is a kind of the transition that we are uh, observing. And you'll see, see that 
with with DeFi and the volume of daily trading volumes in the DeFi system. You see that with NFTs. You see that with uh, just the mere fact that exchanges are decreasing. You see a decreasing volume of AUM, the total amount of assets that they custody. Uh, um, moving to decentralized custodial systems, and also the fact, let's let's say the let's look at the truth. The majority of the world doesn't have access to banking systems or banking <laughs> accounts, right. so they cannot create a, an account into custodian system that require a banking account. Right? That's just by design. It's like that. So they need access, and so the only way to provide access to those people is by providing something that is decentralized and non-custodial. So this is how we're looking at the opportunity, and we still think it's very early. And so if we're looking at the, in the next few years, what are the big building blocks that you're observing in terms of either the consumer behavior or the way that the world is reacting to, to cryptocurrencies? And I'm understanding that the, the decentralization of the custodial, of the custodial systems, that, that's a huge part of it. And, and actually, I, I had no idea that this was you know, a big piece of it. But as you're describing the ethos of, of cryptocurrency, it makes perfect sense that this is the transition we're in. And I'm understanding, obviously, that we're only 12 years into even you know, Bitcoin. And, and so we're just in the very early stages. But as you're sitting now as the CEO of Zengo and you're thinking through, okay, I, I'm, I'm building to be a market leader in the next 10 years, what, what are things that you have to take into account with the consumer behavior and the way that the world is shifting? Yeah, we've seen an acceleration of the distrust toward the existing institutions mm -hmm. and organizations that rule the world. Uh, and how does that come with, about? What is COVID that distrust? How do you define that distrust? Yeah, the distrust? yeah, you look at it from, you know, it's always a generational behavior. You see that the younger generation have a profound distrust towards the political institutions, toward mm -hmm. the financial institutions. And the way it materializes is by the fact that there is no more empathy between the generation and the systems, right? You can right. feel that there is a, a discontent and that is expressed sometimes or anecdotally through erratical behaviors that you see on certain stocks or yeah. on certain assets. So on stocks, we've had the GameStop episode, yeah. right? And Wall Street bets. That yeah. is a materialization of that parameter. You've seen the, the outrageous uh, and somehow justified raise of Dogecoin, which is a, a cryptocurrency backed by nothing, which has a meme of a dog as an, as an image. And for me, the, the rise of, of Dogecoin is not just the impact of Elon Musk because he's tweeting about it, is because it resonates with so many people who want to say something, who want to send a message. And for me, this is like an anti-system kind of voice that materializes yeah. through this particular cryptocurrency. Uh, so you have that fact. The second is not to, to forget, you have an entire set of the world population, billions and billions of people, including in the US, people that are underbanked or unbanked or not well served by their bank. Yes. They don't really love their bank. And I want to have just a fairer way to get access to financial opportunities. And so for them, this is, um, there is no alternative, right? For, for example, if you are in Nigeria right now, okay, you just don't, you cannot rely on your banking system or even on your right. national currency. If you live in Turkey right now, right? Your lira is, the lira is completely crashing. So for them, it's not like a nice to have to think about cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin. It's an urgency. They need a, a, a parallel system that enable them to send money to their peers, to their family, to pay their bills, to get paid, to create and capture value, and to basically build their personal wealth. And when you cannot rely on your government, on your banking system, on your national currency, well, you look into a new system of trust, right? And, yep. and blockchain and cryptocurrencies are perfectly timed for 
this moment in the history of capitalism and the history of mankind. So I think we are in the crux of all those kind of generational uh, uh, patterns, but also macroeconomical and political factors that makes crypto a necessity. It's inevitable. I think now many people have understood it from investors to institutions, to banks, to governments, right? Everyone is aware that this is going to be a thing that is there to last. And so the question is, where do you as a company fit into that picture? We've made our choice. We decided to serve ex exclusively and essentially retail investors. We think this is the where we will do the best job, but you have many companies that are servicing different types of population and audiences or geographies. And I think there will be multiple large companies in, into that space. Our ambition is to become one of the largest, to become the global brand for people who will choose to be in control of their cryptocurrency versus going to invest through a PayPal, a Robinhood, a Revolut, a Coinbase, or whatever, because they will earn uh, the control. They will earn more uh, economically also by being in control. And so we want, we want that to be a reality. And, and so, so we could have chosen the shortcut to build the custodian system and make 10x more money, uh, as is the case, but we are mission-driven. Our mission is to really get stay close from the ethos of crypto and make sure that the decentralization and the control by the user for the user is respected. Amazing. And so, you know, f uh, what, what I'm taking away from this, you know, and this is something that, I, that I'm going to be thinking for a while, is I'm hearing that there's two sides to the coin here. One side is this antitrust idea that we're having these examples of GameStop and Dogecoin, which are which are messages that are being sent by the society, mostly by people that that do have access to the banking system, but have a discontent and distrust yeah. with the current way. But what you're actually saying is, let's not get confused, because the real the real uh, you know idea here is that this is a necessity. Most of the world, there's billions of people that have no in, that have no connection to banking infrastructure or, or banking mechanisms, and also also you know in in the Western countries like the United States. And so yes, we do have these stories, but really, where we're looking at cryptocurrencies, we're looking at something much greater uh, that is actually a necessity to this world. And and what it sounds like your mission with Zengo is directed towards the values of of making that world a place where where people can participate in this new currency in an affordable and easy way, right? That's correct. And 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 so just to to add some more color on that, what we believe is that there will be an, an explosion of coins and currencies and financial uh, protocols and systems, and that it is impossible to think that if this is going to be the foundational layer of, a, of multiple societies in the world, that people will uh, uh, have to rely on a solution that are unsafe, that are complicated to use, that are mm -hmm. not designed for the mobile phone, and that will not look like sort, some, some sort of remote control, because right. no one will want 30 wallets. No one will want 30 wallets. It's too complicated. People have less and less time. And they want and they value simplicity. So simplicity in this industry is an underrated uh, value. Uh, most of this industry is optimized for complexity. And the more complex, the more attractive. But the reality is that it's disconnecting even more people from the, uh, the, uh, the, the value and the interest because it's just friction to get, to get started with, with things. So focusing on simplicity is, uh, is of extreme importance. It's a, it's a priority. That means saying no to many opportunities. That means saying no to comp easy compromises. That, that means really focusing on a very clear audience 
and ignoring other potentially interesting economical opportunities and just sticking to uh, to the direction that you want to to go after so for now we are we we still believe very much in this direction and we think it's going to um, to becoming a dominant theme into um, into into the industry take me back three years and you're entering this world and you're deciding to create a company in the crypto world what 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 steps do you take as an entrepreneur to both give yourself the conviction and the confidence to go into this emerging market which which is not trivial for new entrepreneurs and and what what did you learn about yourself through the process so uh so i don't have a an amazing story uh, of how i discovered cryptocurrencies uh except and they're not proud of it that i was aware of it, of it aware of it very very early on like really year one of bitcoin but I dismissed it like many people. Um, it took me years until I realized it was n- not only not a scam, but it was a revolution. Um, and I've seen in my career three revolutions, like with my own eyes. The, the birth of the internet, like really from nearly day one, I, I created a company at that moment. The revolution of social networking, where you know content was being created by users, not by companies. And the revolution of mobile. And when I finally got seriously into learning about crypto, uh, I recognized the pattern of a revolution. And it was very clear to me at some point that this was going to to uh, become a huge tsunami that would affect not just the financial system, but all our societies. And there was no way I'm going, I was going to miss it. So, so first, it was kind of pattern recognition of things that I've seen in the past, but I kind of realized about it uh, really late <laughs> too bad for me because i could have bought bitcoin a much much better price <laughs> but the, that's that uh, second once i've realized that uh, this was something that was going to really matter and matter to me i had to find the idea and uh, for me I, i'm always trying to kind of connect with a, a deep pain a deep personal pain like that really means something to me so that it sticks over time because you know the difficulty in entrepreneurship is not to find a good idea, uh, it's to find a great idea that you will stick with over time, even in difficult moments. Right. Yeah, for yeah. example, right now, the, the market is kind of crashing and you have to kind of be able to, to stick to things that you really believe in so that you can go through those tough, per- tough periods. And so when I tr- started to discover this industry, I started to use all sorts of products. And I was really appalled by what I was trying, including by the best products of the market. And so at some point I said, well, this is going to be the future, but those products look like fax machine, right? <laughs> they, they cannot be the future. Yeah. Someone needs to be in something that is way better. The, the difficulty that I had at that moment is I was completely incapable of, of thinking about technologically how to do that because I was ignorant about it. Like I'm an, an outsider. I didn't know anything about it. And I to get really, really curious about it, so I went through a long rabbit hole of learning about about the process. It was it was not fast? It took me a lot of time until I, I realized what could be done and found find the people I could do it with. Uh, but I say that at the same time it took time, but it was also the I would say the cement that helped solidify this project very early on and made us stick to uh, through the difficult period because the more we were learning about it and, and learning the capabilities the more we got really convinced that we, this was going to be the future and as an example we chose very early on to to build our wallet on multi-party computation a domain of cryptography that has been around for 30 years uh, but at the time was really really 
early, in, in, especially mm -hmm. for wallets in custody. Well, it happens that three years later, multi-party computation has become a de facto standard for, for crypto security. Mm -hmm. And that we were especially pioneers in that domain, and so so we took a we took a very important bet, but we took I think the right bet, and eventually that that is paying off. And so making those choices slowly, but really conscientiously, understanding really the meaning of it, and connecting that to a thesis, is takes time. But this is what I think eventually pays off when you, when you make those choices in a in a careful manner. And so, wow. so we, we, we made, we made those choices in that, in that kind of incubation period. And once we got certainty that we could build a, a product out of it, and we thought that we had the chance at, at building something meaningful for the industry. So, so it took about a year to get to that point. And so after we created a company and we started to work, meaning building a team, building a prototype, bringing investors, you know, launching the baby, uh, making some mistakes on the way, <laughs> tons of bugs and all things, all sorts of things like that, but also learning that we were building something that was resonating with a lot of people and that gave us confidence to go further and further and further. So that's, that was the path. Incredible. Ariel, thank you so much for your time. This was so wonderful. I have three last questions about you, not about cryptocurrency, not about Zengo, but about you. <clears throat> Back to your childhood, what really fascinated you as a kid? Um, flying like a superhero. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, of course. I was dreaming about it like many, many kids. I see my own kids also <laughs> dreaming Amazing. about that now. Uh, but uh, but yeah, there was that also. I, I would say I also always wanted to run fast, <laughs> really, really fast. Uh, now I'm just a runner, but not a, a fast runner, run marathons and stuff like that. Uh, uh, but those are two things that were really fascinating me. That was when I was a really early kid. Later on, I was fascinated by other stuff, uh, yeah. including tech. But that was right. the thing that was capturing me. And what inspires you today in your daily life? Um, I would say... Um, I'm trying to think about something that is really specific, but I, I am fascinated by the perfection of art, meaning that, um, but that doesn't, I don't think you can apply it to entrepreneurship. I think, you know, a lot of what you do when you create a company is more art than science, right? Wow. Because it's a lot of like trial and error until you get to a point of success. There's no straight line, doesn't exist even for the brightest companies. And so, so I've been playing music for nearly uh, 40 years. And, and if you ask me if I'm more fascinated by entrepreneurs or by artists, I'm more fascinated by artists. And I, I like their quest for absolute perfection. And so you can, you can see it. You can find it when you see that the end result of it is so simple and so elegant that you do not feel the effort. So I'm fascinated by people that can manage to achieve that level of perfection. And this is something that I'm trying to seek in everything that we do, but that is impossible because Amazing. the world of entrepreneurship is, is just an impossible set of equations to resolve all the time. Of course. Uh, but this is really the, the thing that is fascinating me today. And three words that you would choose to describe yourself. Um, impatient. Uh, curious. And... Uh, Fast. <laughs> Something like that. Probably. Really? I hate slow. 
Thank you very, very much. I appreciate it. Best of luck with Zengo. I'm excited to continue thank following you. the journey and thank you for taking the time. Thank you. Thank you so much.